associates, workmates, that we don't want them to go to hell. So we're going to live the life of Christ before them. And I know that probably there are some in this room that have never shared your faith with anyone. So God has them in your life, unsaved people, for the purpose of you reaching out to them with the love of Christ. I mean, God could have taken you to heaven the moment you got saved. He could have given you a heart attack. You go straight to be to heaven to be with him. But he didn't do that. He left you here. And one of those reasons I know he did, because there are people that you can reach out to with the love of Christ and be a witness for him, that you can be my witnesses. That's what he wants. First Corinthians nine. 19 to 23 says, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them to the Jews. I became as a Jew in order to win Jews to those under the law. I became as one under the law, though not my being myself under the law that I might win those under the law to those outside the law. I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Here, Paul identifies three groups of people that he's reaching out to. The Jews... Or those under the law, same thing. Think of religious people, maybe churchgoers who aren't saved. The, those outside the law would be people that have no religious background at all. That maybe they've never read the Bible at all. They don't know the Bible stories like you do. And there's so many more people in, in our country and in our culture that that's who they are. They're outside the law. They don't know anything about God. And then the weak. Think of those with people with touchy consciences or people who aren't really currently walking with the Lord. So Paul says, I identify with all three of those groups. I'm finding common ground with them. And to identify with someone doesn't make you identical. Right? You can love them without approving and celebrating their belief system and lifestyle. And Paul indicates that in the parentheses Verses, did you, did you notice that? I'm ministering to those outside the law, though I'm not participating in what they're doing. You don't have to approve and celebrate everyone's lifestyle. You can still love them. It doesn't make you a hater. So you don't need to say, well, I can't relate to the guy at work that's uh, addicted to drugs because I've never taken a drug. No, you can still relate. You can find some common ground. You can still befriend them. Kathy and I went to see the movie Jesus Revolution a little while ago, and it was an impactful movie. Remember a scene where uh, the, the uh, hippies were coming to church and uh, the, the older folks were complaining about they're getting the carpet all dirty. And right. What, what, what did he do? He washed their feet right as they were coming in. Uh, he was serving them in a way relating to them so that they would feel welcomed. And then there was another impactful scene where the, the, the whole congregation was sitting on one side and all the hippies were on the other side. They, they hadn't integrated at all. And so two of the elders got up with their families and said something to the pastor and they walked out. 
And then the third older gentleman, elder, got up and you expected him to walk out as well, but he didn't. He walked across the aisle and he sat right in the middle of all the hippies, showing that he loved them and he identified with them. And he was trying to find something in common with them. It it was really just God's love flowing out from his heart to them. And that's what we do when we reach out to others. Just let God's love flow out from you to them. It's about finding common ground. How about your son's soccer team? The parents on that of your son's soccer team. Can you build a relationship with them? Or maybe you bowl together, the people you bowl with, or the people you do PTA together, if they still have PTA. Who are those people that you identify with that you can invite over and begin to build a relationship with them? In some ways, I think unbelievers think Christians are out of touch. We just hide out in our church buildings. And the only time we come out is to condemn everybody. But what if we tried to relate to them? What if we tried to understand them? What if we tried to share our life and our story with them? I know I spend most of my time with Christians. Maybe you do, too. So we're going to have to be a little more intentional about that if we're really going to reach people. Now, how do we relate to them? I think we need to know and understand their needs, hurts, and interests. How about the things we value? The unbeliever that's out there in our community, we value some of the same things, like family and freedom and health and our community. See, these are things we have in common with unbelievers, things that threaten us. Maybe the loss of a job, your company's about to go under, and your fellow co-workers are all concerned about that. Or or if the economy in our country failed, we'd all be in the same boat. Or if a disaster struck our community, like a tornado or hurricane, we'd all be all in the same circumstances together. So those things that threaten us, that are not good, we have some of those things in common. And then things that are unique, like maybe the latest technology that we're all sharing, the latest iPhone or something, or there's a movie that's made the news and everybody's going to see it. There are things that we have in common with unbelievers that are around us. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. That means unbelievers. Making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how You ought to answer each person. Know how you should answer each person. Know how. That takes some effort. That takes some study. I can be a student of culture without being a participant of culture. And each person, everyone, we know that there's difference in people. So how receptive are they? Some people are very open and some people are very closed. And receptivity can change based on circumstances. Some are hard-hearted. They're saying no to God. Other people, as Jesus said, you're close to the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus taught a parable in Matthew chapter 13 on the soils. Different soil types, different levels of receptivity. I have just a short video that I'd like you to take a look at. One day, a farmer went out to sow some seeds. 
as he walked along, he threw the seeds wherever he went. Each seed was the same, bright and green, and full of the potential for life. Some of the seeds fell on stony ground. There was nowhere for their roots to grow. They just sat there. Birds spotted the seeds from the air. They flew down and ate them up. Some seeds fell on rocky places, where there wasn't much soil. They quickly grew at first, but the soil was shallow. And when the sun came up, they withered and died, because they had no root. Some other seeds fell among thorns. The seeds started to grow, but the thorns grew bigger, and they choked the new plants, so they didn't produce any crop. They just disappeared. But other seeds fell on good soil. They grew and grew, strong and bright, and the life in the seeds bore an amazing crop. Some with thirty grains, some sixty, and some even a hundred grains of corn. So that parable of Jesus showed four different types of soils, four different types of people, their receptivity. We could look at that as a tool for the people that we're sharing with. What kind of heart soil do they have? And also, it'd be good to examine our own hearts when looking at that parable. But I want to introduce to you a tool this morning that you can use in evangelism. In, in the world of evangelism, this is a tool that can help you determine receptivity. It's called the Engel scale. And I'm going to share with you this morning the modified Engel scale, so a smaller version. And remember, it's just a tool. It can be helpful to you, but you should always go by the leading of the Holy Spirit and not be bound in by some kind of a tool. But I think this could be helpful. Let's start at minus six. I want to go down and just list here some of the uh, characteristics of these. And this we're not ready for the fill-ins yet. Minus six is those that are the hardest hearts. So maybe they're an atheist, an unbeliever. They're resistant to the gospel. They're self-reliant. They have absolutely no interest in God or spiritual things. 
A minus five would be someone becoming aware of his or her needs. Maybe a crisis strikes their life. And for the first time, they begin to think, well, I need God. I need something more in my life. A minus four person is someone who's seeking. They're open to spiritual things. They may read a book on spirituality. Might not be a Christian book, but they're becoming more interested in spiritual things. A minus three person is someone who's considering spiritual things. They're seeing differences between that unbeliever at work and the believer. A minus two person is someone who's learning what a Christian is. They know some basic Christian doctrines. They understand a little bit more about sin now and salvation. And they're probably visiting churches. A minus one person is someone who is believing and they're ready to receive Christ. They will pray to receive Christ if prompted. And then a zero person on the modified Engel scale is the conversion experience. And I remember mine distinctly, July 31st, 1977, at the Canton Baptist Temple right around noon. If you would have looked back at my life probably a month or two before that, I think I would have been a six on this scale. I had no real interest in God, but God was doing some things in my life that would soon make me have soil, that my heart soil was ready to receive the gospel. A person that's a zero, they're going to plug into church, plug into Sunday school or into a small group. And then the positive numbers on the modified Ingle scale, one, two, three, four, and up, are spiritual growth of the new Christian. So if you hear someone say to you, your religion is just a crutch for weak people, you know in your mind, oh, I'm probably dealing with a minus six person. Or if they ask, how do I become a Christian? Minus one. They're ready. If you hear someone say, man, I'm under such stress and my marriage is falling apart. Minus five. They're becoming aware of the needs in their life. Or if they say, why are you so joyful? I I see your life and you're having all kinds of problems, yet you have just such joy and you radiate love. Minus three. You see, they're seeing differences in you than the other people around them. For most people, salvation is a process that they're moving down toward minus one to zero over time. Some people can move through those stages very quickly, like I did. Other people, it could take years. And we need to do something different at each of those stages that we encounter. So let's now look at that a little more closely. What can we do? For a person at each one of those stages that we've kind of evaluated, this is where I think they are. Let me just give you some suggestions on what you can do. The minus six person who's skeptical, resistant, they have no interest. The first thing I would say before we talk about some positive do's is we have to make a decision here. Is this worth my time? Jesus said, shake off the dust off your feet. He said in another place, don't throw your pearl before swine. Paul said on one occasion, you know what? I'm done dealing with you, Jews. I'm going to the Gentiles because I know they're going to be more receptive. Now, let's say I'm all in on this person. What can I do? Let me give you some suggestions. First thing is pray for them. Pray that they would become more receptive. And how I have found that often that takes is. Some kind of crisis happening in their life. So I pray that God would allow problems in their life that they would see their need for God and would turn to him. So that's usually how I pray for like a number six person. 
The second thing you can do is befriend them. And by doing that, you're taking a risk because you're going to have to love them unconditionally because they're probably not going to be very easy to love. Third thing you can do is don't argue with them. They may want to argue religion with you or the Bible. Don't, don't get into a kind of tit for tat with them. Second Timothy two twenty three to 26, I, I think, sums up this situation here. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So there's what I think we should do with a minus six person. Either evaluate and say, is this worth my time and effort or do the things I suggested? A minus five person is someone who's becoming aware of their unmet needs and their spiritual lack. What can we do? A couple practical things here. First, serve them. So a crisis strikes their life. They're, they're in the midst of some kind of problem. You come alongside them and you're helping them. Can I bring you a meal? Just simple stuff like that. Serve them. Second thing is share your experience. Especially if they're going through something that you've gone through. Like they recently suffered the loss of a loved one. And you did too. Then you can come alongside and identify with them. And, and tell them your story of how you've dealt with the loss of a loved one. In fact, our grief share group is established for that very purpose. To reach out to people in our community experiencing loss. And, and people that have experienced loss are coming alongside of them and helping them. A third thing that you can do is pray for them. And by that, I mean offer to pray for them. Man, I see you're really going through a hard time here. Would it be all right if I prayed for you? And most of the time, they'll allow you and even appreciate it. Now let's look at a minus four person. What can I do? This is the seeker stage where they're becoming open to spiritual things. They might be exploring other religions while they're having a conversation with you about your faith. Here's some things you can do. Invite them to church or your life group. Believe it or not, I'm always happy when I see people on Easter and Christmas that I never see any other time of year. Rather than being down on those folks, speak up on those folks. They're there because someone invited them and they're there trying to find out a little bit more about your faith. Second thing to do is give them resources like good books. I've always liked to give C.S. Lewis books to people. I always find that he's a really a, uh, intriguing author, very deep, but yet writes at a level everyone can understand. And also a good podcast maybe that you listen to that you think would be intriguing to that person. Give them resources. Third thing to do would be just talk about them. Talk with them about spiritual things. Talk about Jesus with them. So that will help them be more open to him in their life. How about a minus three person? This is someone who's considering Christianity. They're noticing the difference between Christians and non-Christians. What can you do? Number one, introduce them to your friends. Get them around other Christians. 
Maybe take them to a Christian concert you're going to. Think about that guy at work or the girl at school. Your, your family and all your Christian friends are going to the Christian concert. How about invite them along? Have a party would be the second thing. Have a party and invite your Christian friends with your unsaved friends so they can mingle together and begin to have a conversation about the faith. Minus two person. What can you do? This is a person that's starting to understand a little bit more about the faith. They're they're spiritually hungry. Here's what you do. Share your story. Share your testimony with them, how you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And then share the gospel with them, too. You know, weave it in with your story because it's such good news. It's better news than the cure for cancer because it's the cure for the cancer of the human soul that sends someone to hell. Explain to them how you made a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ and how he has helped you so much and how he will help them. Minus one person. Here's somebody who's ready to receive Christ. What do you do? Ask them to pray to receive Christ. Don't overlook that step. Sometimes I think we're afraid, like, oh, maybe I'm being too pushy. But if you sense that they are ready to receive Christ, go ahead and ask them, hey, are you ready? Would you like to pray to receive Christ right now? And they may very well say, yeah. And then you need to commit to pray for them. They, they're going to be your job, as it were. You need to disciple them. Invite them to church. Invite them to your Sunday school class, to your life group. So you're going to mentor them and keep tabs on them and help them grow. And encourage them to be baptized. We're going to have another baptism sometime in the near future. So if you need to be baptized, uh, we'll give you that opportunity. I want to tell you about who my best friend was growing up as a kid through elementary school, middle school, and even into high school a little bit. His name was Ron Skipper. And I would strategically pick to go over to his house every other Friday for the overnight and into Saturday, because that's when his parents got groceries. So they'd buy a lot of junk food, and I knew there'd be tons of food in the house and we could eat it up, which we pretty much did. So we, we had fun together growing up. We played football together through high school and so forth. And then when he graduated high school, he went up to the University of Montana, where I think he was there about a year, year and a half, and he partied too much and flunked out. So he came home and he was really down and low and discouraged. So he came over to my house and I have recently become a Christian. So I just started sharing with him all the things that Jesus Christ had done for me and changed my life. And I don't know if I just blurted it out. Hey, do you want to become a Christian? And he said, yeah. And we prayed right there together. He accepted Christ as his savior right there in my bedroom. Then he went home and began to tell his parents and his two brothers about what had happened to him. And one by one, each of them became a Christian. He went back to college and successfully graduated college, then went on to medical school. And today he's a doctor in Oregon. So I just want to encourage you, you can do this. First thing I would say to do, make a list of friends that you're praying for and really pray for them. Pray for their salvation. Pray for an opportunity to share Christ with them. And then do the things suggested here on the modified angle scale 
You're determining where do I think they are in the scale and maybe I can do some of these things. But by all means, share your faith with them. Don't be shy. Speak out. Really, there's no greater joy that you will find in your Christian walk is praying with someone to receive Christ as their Savior. Now, we're going to put up on the screen a book I want to recommend to you about pre-evangelism. Now, I've not read this book myself. In fact, I'd never heard of the book. I only found out about it this week. But the person who suggested it to me, Felix Cross, is a good friend of mine. He's an attorney, retired attorney in town. I really trust him. And I I know this would be a really good resource for you to read. If you're interested in about sharing your faith with others, the story of reality, how the world began, ends, and everything in between. It kind of sounds interesting. A book on pre-evangelism tools to help you have a conversation with unbelievers. So remember who you are. You are a JW, not a Jehovah Witness, but a Jesus Witness. That's who you are. So let's pray. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, again, I want to just offer an invitation. If you're here this morning at the sound of my voice and you've never personally asked Jesus Christ to forgive all your sins and to come into your heart and be your Savior and Lord, just if you're ready, if you're a minus one today and you're ready to take that plunge, take that step, just raise your hand. And I'd like to pray for you today. I just want to give that opportunity, that invitation, in case somebody is here today ready to do that. Well, Lord, I'm sure that we know people around us, family members and friends, that do not have a personal relationship with you. I pray that they would be heavy on our heart, that you would give us your heart, your burden for them. That we could share your love with them. That you loved us so much you sent your own son. While we were still enemies of yours, you died for us. While we were still sinners, you came and you died. You did all that you could do. You showed us your love. And we just merely need to say, thank you. I receive it. I pray that we will share our faith with people around us, that you'll put that burden on us, that it'll be too much, that we've got to get it out. We want to see lost people saved, Lord, and a part of your kingdom. Help us to do that, to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's stand.
Thank you. 